What is going on, everybody? What is going on? It is your boy, Darian, and I am officially here saying that this is the Darian Hopkins Show. Where it be sports talk, where it be entertainment, where it be anything that's going on with sports and entertainment world, we will be doing it right here on the Darian Hopkins Show. So if this is your first time ever being here, right here at the Darian Hopkins Show, we highly suggest that you subscribe, hit the bell button, and get the latest news on all entertainment and sports news as well. So I really appreciate you coming by the channel, and we'll see you on the other side. Peace. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We are live and we are here Tuesday. Sorry about that, but Tuesday, June 13th, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, June 13th, and we are here with another episode of the Darian Hopkins Show. And I am your host, Darian, of the Darian Hopkins Show, and we're here to have a action-packed episode here for you today talking about the nba finals talking about was the Denver nuggets impressive win we're going to talk about on the miami heat side we're going to talk about a lot of things that's coming on here with the sports world especially we got four nfl topics as well we got to talk about floyd mayweather in that exhibition fight that i did like a lot of people didn't know about um a little bit of robert nunez as well a little bit of robert i mean not robert nunez uh um, what's her name? Uh, the late, the girl that retired from um, USC. I forgot her name. I know her last name is Nunez. Um, she retired. You know, she won over the weekend as well. But um, we're going to talk about a lot of things here on today's show. But before we get into today's show, man, make sure y'all comment, like, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If this is your first time ever being on this YouTube channel, we highly suggest that you subscribe and hit the bell button and get the latest news with all podcasts and play-by-plays right here on the Darian Hopkins Show. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and at uh, Twitter, which is at the D Hopkins Show, and on Facebook at the D Hopkins Show. Make sure y'all go over to SeatGeek.com and use that promo code, which is D Hopkins, and get $20 off your first purchase with live events, sporting events, concerts, of everything of that nature. So make sure you go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code D Hopkins and get $20 off your first purchase. And for all you sports betters out there, even though the NBA is officially done after last night, you still have other sports going on. You can still bet on WBA, still can bet on MLS. You can still bet on um, MLB as well. So make sure you go over to betus.com and you can receive 125% of your sports book upon the initial deposit. The link is definitely in the description there and d hopkin nation t-shirts are now available right now so make sure you get the link in the, in the description or it's going to be inside the chat so what is going on everybody we're going to get strictly down to the nitty-gritty of things because i have a lot to talk about i think i'm gonna take my time out and talk a lot about the nba finals here i hopefully we could get through all the topics and hopefully my other co-hosts can come up here well if not it's absolutely fine but we're going to talk about the NBA Finals. We're going to talk about a few things here with the NBA Finals because I, I have to I have to say congratulations. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. They are now the world champions. They are now the world champions of the basketball world, of the top basketball world. And I have to give them the utmost respect. 
I didn't think they was going to win the NBA Finals. But once I knew the way they swept the the Lakers, I knew that, okay, they might just win the NBA Finals. I didn't know they was going to get this far. Let me be completely honest. I was one of those guys that underestimated the Denver Nuggets. I absolutely was. And I'm going to sit here on record because one thing about me, I am real, I am raw, and I am corrected about some things. And I have to say, like, I did not pick the Denver Nuggets to be a part of these NBA Finals. I just didn't. I think a lot of teams didn't. And we kind of, you know, overlooked them. We really did. We kind of overlooked them. And I didn't expect Miami Heat to get this far anyway, even though they came into the play-in. But I did not expect them to get to the NBA Finals this year. I expected them to have a great run to the NBA, to, to, to try to get to the NBA Finals. But I forgot, you know, they've been to the, the Finals uh, two out of the last four years. There was an Easter Conference Finals last year. So even with the new play-in and how they thought, even though I still didn't expect them to go that far, they did go that far. So, I mean, congratulations to the Miami Heat for getting here because everybody thought it was going to be Lakers and Celtics at that time. But now they still got a tie for 17 championships. People thought it was the Warriors. I thought the Warriors probably could go all the way to the NBA Finals. That was my pick to come out of the West. But, hey, sometimes when you make your pick and predictions, sometimes it just don't go right. You know, it just don't go right. So, but shout out to... The Denver Nuggets, shout out to Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and those boys, man, they they definitely did what needed to be done to get over the hump in the last 47 years. They have not able to get a championship until now. So congratulations to them. Um, congratulations to the Miami Heat for getting that far, but it just was too much to overload with the Miami Heat, man. It was great seasons from both teams. It was a great NBA season in itself overall, but we're we going to get down to the nitty-gritty of things, of how things really went in this game. Because I really want to break down the analysis of this game, and I want to break down the box scores and the team stats of this game. So I'm going to definitely try to be quick as possible and talk a lot about the NBA Finals. I don't. I don't hopefully, people are coming in. Make sure you share the live. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Because I'm talking about the Finals as the first topic as well. First, That's the first topic I'm talking about. So. 94-89. What a great game of Game 5, man. What a great game of Game 5. Miami Heat didn't back down. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. And they they played down to the wire. I mean, it was some ill-advised passes and some stuff of that nature. And we're going to get into that later on in, in some other topics. But we're going to talk about this game itself. 94-89, the Denver Nuggets are the champions of the NBA. Now, when, we, when it comes to this game, a lot of things that could be changed in this game. And it and I, I have to say, like, you know, now he wants to come on when I get into this topic. So here goes my co-host, my brother from another mother, man, my boy Matt Campbell. What's up, man? What's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up, man? I had to I had to make sure I jumped on here. Oh, okay, okay. So you what you at work right now? Yeah. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I was just going I was just about to get into um the NBA finals, uh a recap real quick. That's the first topic of the day. So, I mean, like I said, like I said, but right before you got on, I said congratulations to the Miami Heat. You know, a lot of people didn't think they would have got this far into the NBA Finals and stuff of that nature. And a lot of people didn't think that the Nuggets was going to go. And I was one of those one of those people to admit on live TV just to say that I was one of those people to not pick Denver to be in the final. So, um, I was just about to go through the box score and through the the team stats and, and the breakdowns, but I want to get your thoughts real quick about how you felt about how the game five went. I mean, super low scoring, pretty much how the, how the whole, you know, series is gone. 
Um, it, it was a good game. It was a good game for basketball fans. It was low scoring. It was back and forth a little bit. Like, you know, it, nobody, nobody, like, they didn't run away with it. You know what I mean? They didn't, right. they, they didn't completely give it away. But, I mean, after after the last few games, I mean, it kind of went to par. Just, just like everybody, you know. Well, I won't say everybody. Just like most people thought it would. Like it, it was, it was going to come down to the third and fourth quarter. Whoever wins them third and fourth quarter, that's who's going to win the game. And it was just like they just did enough to push past them. Yeah, they did enough to push past them, and and and, and, it, I, and people got on me in the live stream yesterday saying that I was questioning Coach Spo. I I questioned Coach Spo in that third quarter because. If you notice, when you saw the Miami Heat, when they go into a zone, different struggles in their offense. They, they struggle in their offense, and when you go into that zone, Miami can get more rebounds. Miami can contest better shots. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. when it when it came down to the to the zone defense, I'm, I was like, why did Coach Bo go back to man? Because if you go back to man, you're having mad mismatches when you're playing small ball. So when you know you don't have a big guy that that outside of Ed Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love, you really can't count on Cody Zeller, you don't want to go into a switch where you have a guard on Nikola Jokic. You don't want to go into that situation because Nikola Jokic is going to dominate whoever's in front of him when it comes to small ball. So when it came to that third quarter, it kind of got away from Miami, and I see that Coach Spo went back to the zone, and that's why this game was so competitive because you see that in the in the zone play, Miami's more aggressive defensively when they're in zone play instead of being a man. I agree with you. And um, let's get into the box score real quick, and we go talk some more about this game in itself. So if you look at the starting five for the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo, I mean, Jimmy Butler, surprisingly, led the team with 21. But he was 5 of 18 from the field, 2 of 5 from the from the, from the three-point line. Most of that came in the fourth quarter. I'm going to be completely honest with you. But I am going to get on Jimmy Butler, though. I am going to get on him. Um, Kevin Love, only three points. But when it came to, you know, defensively, he was good defensively as far as getting blocks, boxing out, fouling him, getting a little bit physical. So I really wasn't expecting him to shoot the ball as much anyway. I thought he was in there for defensive purposes. But Bam Adebayo, um, 9 of 20, he had 12 boards. He didn't have that many assists, but he did have 20 points. Um, Gabe Vincent looked like crap last night, looked like crap the last three games. 3 of 13, 0 for 4 from the three-point line, 0 for 4 from the three-point line, only six points. Max Drews didn't play his best, but defensively, I thought he was really good defensively in this game five. So I'll have, you know, 5 of 12 from the field, 1 of 6 from the three-point line, only 12 points. But on the defensive side, I think Max Drews, Kind of stepped up in that way. Um, Duncan Robinson had a not really a good game with only five points. Caleb Martin played 32 minutes with only 10 points. I'm sorry, but I, I feel like if you if you put the ball in Caleb Martin's hand more than you put it in Jimmy Butler's hand, I think Caleb Martin in this finals could have been more quicker in a in a, in elusive to go to the basket instead of thinking and just reacting and just going taking what the defense is giving you. Um, Kyle Lowry. Definitely was big in this game. I'm not going to lie. He came with 12 points off the bench. He played 34 minutes, but he did have nine rebounds as a guard. Nine rebounds for, for his age. That was pretty effective. So they did shoot 
34.4% from the field and 26.7% from the field. And surprisingly, they only lost 94 to 89 the way they shot the basketball. So if you look at it from Denver Nuggets situation, you know, Gordon only with four, but he was in foul trouble. But Michael Porter Jr. finally had the best game of the finals as well. Best game of the finals, because if you look at it, he looked like crap in the last four games. So he has 16. Jokic had 28-16. He only had four assists, but he still came out with a double-double. Um, Jamal Murray with only 14 points, but he did hit some clutch shots when it was needed, especially with uh, KCP. KCP was definitely not playing well as well. Four from 10 from the field, but he only had 11 points, but did some crucial plays when it, when it mattered. Bruce Brown with 10 points off the bench. Christian Braun, or Christian Brown, whatever you want to call his name, um, seven points off the bench. Uh, 45.2% from the field, and only 17% from the three-point line. Give me your thoughts on that, man. Give me your thoughts on that. So, so I mean, I, I thought this, like, midway through the third quarter. Like, I, I was getting ready to go to sleep, and I'm sitting here watching the game, and I'm just like, the, the role players played a huge role in this game. You know what I mean? It wasn't all mm -hmm. stars. And the simple fact is it, it was just like the, the Denver Nuggets bench and their, their team guys played just a little bit better. Not much. Not much. Just just a little bit better. Because, I mean, if you look at it, both Jimmy and, and Bam had 20 points. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, if they just have two, two of their guys, two other guys, you know, in, in double-digit figures, Outside and, of Max Strews, because Max Strews is the only outsider that had that was a starting five that had twelve points. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, so you're 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 expecting that from Vincent. You're expecting that from Martin at this point with the minutes he's getting. Lowry, and then you know again you 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 have to look more. Kevin Love, he should get at least a couple good looks by the three point line. You know what I mean? Like it's all these guys have to contribute, whether it's a lot or a little bit, whether right. you know one thing or another. You have to, especially in games like this. And and again, it was just like one one team played just a little bit better than the other one. Because if you look at it from the shooting standpoint, both teams did not shoot well. Uh, look, look, I'm, they I'm, didn't shoot well at all. I'm going to be honest with you. By by the second, by, by almost like it was like one minute into the left in the second quarter, I was like, man, I think Miami's going to take this game. I don't know. I don't know. I would like literally, but then they came out in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, and they just they they let Denver close the door. And it, it's it's not like it was it was like the, again like they weren't running away with it. Right. It was definitely winnable game, but it was just that they, they didn't do what they needed to do. And and I feel like I, I'm not gonna do a lot, even though I am a part of the Heat culture now. I'm gonna have to say to Jimmy the Jimmy Butler getting fouled at the three point line. I think that was a bad call. I didn't think Jimmy Butler, I mean, it kind of sparked him a little bit in that fourth quarter getting fouled, but I still think that it could have been more of an offensive foul than a defensive foul on Aaron Gordon because he, he kicked the leg out, kind of kicked him in the nutsack if you if you see it. So for me, that that was one of the calls that um I thought they got wrong in the game. I'm not because one thing about me, one thing I'm one, one thing about me about being a, a basketball team fan or any sport fan that I'm a realist. Like if, if a call is a bad call, then it's a bad call. I'm like, if they're gonna give it to him, then fine, give it to him. But at the same time, in my personal opinion, I would be like, yo, that's a bad call. We shouldn't have got that call. You know what I'm saying? So that's just me personally seeing it as it like, yo, 
the refs called it how it called it. We move on and we go on and keep playing ball. But I just feel like, to me, going into the, going into this game, Spo went back to the zone. It worked. You know, Jamal Murray struggles when he's in that zone, and you've seen it. Well, he only had fourteen points. But when he, when you started going back to the man to man, and I understand it's the fourth quarter, it's under a minute. You want to you know man up instead of being in zone. But you see, they ran away with it once you got out of the zone in that fourth quarter. So. I just feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You get what I'm saying? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So for Coach Bo, I understand that you you know this this is game five. This is an elimination game. You're trying to win and go back to Miami and stuff of that nature. But it was just some things that your players was doing, especially with turnovers at that, which we're going to get into the team stats as well when it comes to turnovers. Because if, if you look at the turnover ratio, it's funny because Denver had more turnovers than Miami. They had 15 turnovers. They still won the game. When Miami only had eight. But in the crucial times, it was when the turnovers came about. In the crucial times, and when Jimmy Butler threw the ball away, when he tried to drive to the basket, and he threw the ball away to KCP. I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is it. My Denver's about to win this game. And my question to you is this, Mac. How do you feel about Jimmy Butler taking that shot with 25.7 seconds left? Do you feel like, because for me, I thought it was, it could have been take the two and foul. You had enough time to score real quick and be down one and foul one of the, foul probably a, worse, probably a bad shooter, whoever was not a great foul shooter there. Because if you look at the, the foul shooting for Denver, there was only 13 of 23. They was not making foul shots at the line. So you're going to put somebody there. They could have missed one and made one, and you would have been down two. But how do you feel about them? How do you feel about them taking that quick shot there with 25.7 seconds? Left? Oh, I mean, okay. Again, here's the whole thing. If he makes the shot, you know, that 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 is that is a huge boost. That That is possibly them getting the momentum to win the game. Okay. So the 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 positive versus the negative on it, like yeah, now we're sitting here thinking about like man, they should have come up with a better play. Absolutely, absolutely. Eric Spoelstra, he's one of the best coaches in the league. You you would think he would have a little something better drawn up or at least prepared. But again, you know what I mean. It, it's it's what happened. If he like you said, he makes the shot, he's possibly the hero. He misses the shot, it's. Man, everybody. do you think it was too early in the clock to take that shot? You see what I'm saying? Do you um, think it was too early to 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 call that three pointer right there? Like you should have drove to the basket, got the foul, and, and forced them to shoot foul shots. Yeah, it was 25 point seconds. I I would have thought if it was like if it if it was like like seven seven seconds or something like that. Yes, but it was 25 point seven seconds left. If he was only what down what one no down what four down five something of that nature. I don't think I don't I think no they was down four if I'm not mistaken. I think it was down four when 25 point seven seconds was on the clock. And I just feel like it was too early in the clock. I think it was too early to take the shot. I mean, like I said, I mean I I, I understand exactly what you're saying. But uh, again, it's you know maybe maybe it was Jimmy's decision, maybe it was Spolster's decision. Maybe Spolster said, "Go down and get a get get a quick look, and and go for it." You know what I mean? That's uh, that's why I'm, I'm me personally, I bad idea. Yes, I, I completely agree with you, bad idea. But in, in in the sense that, like I said, if that's how it was called, then you know what I mean. Like, what's Jimmy gonna do? Not take that shot? 
Why not? I mean, I mean, why take? The, I just feel like I just, I just don't like the choice of taking that shot too early in the in the clock. Understand it's the NBA Finals, and you did not need to rush a three. Now, if you had a better play set up to have him open, because that shot was contested. So, if you had a better play to to get him a little bit more open and be more confident about the shot, then I wouldn't have an issue with it. But the, the way the play was set up, I felt like you could have drove to the basket and got a foul, got to the foul line, shot two free throws, and then you should have started fouling from there. But the, the fact that you take it at so early in the in the in the game clock, I just felt like it was just a bad choice from Jimmy Butler to take that shot. It was a bad choice. Yeah, in hindsight, absolutely. So for for me, and I want to get into Jimmy Butler real quick, and I I want to I want to say that yes, I have defended Jimmy Butler multiple times. I have. I mean, even though he had twenty five in Game Four, it, it, you know, it was a very quiet twenty five. But I'm gonna say this right now: something was not right with Jimmy Butler, and I don't think it was the ankle. I think the ankle was healed. I'm sorry to say that ankle had to be healed through after you played the Knicks game. And then, like, if you look at through the playoffs with Jimmy Butler, right? He played so well against the Milwaukee Bucks, taking him to five. You saw the enthusiasm. You saw the determination. You saw his drive. You saw his grit. Beat them in five. Then you go on to the New York Knicks. You beat the New York Knicks, and then you talking about this is my stuff, and this is my ish, and you talking your smack. Play off Jimmy as he does. Go to the Eastern Conference Finals. You started in the beginning of the series. And then when they got, then when they lost three games in a row, Jimmy started to fall off. Even though he was putting up numbers, he wasn't the same person personality-wise. And then the NBA Finals, you didn't see that Jimmy Butler at all. So my problem, my, my thing is this. It's not the ankle issue. I don't think it is. I'm not making no excuse because you played through it. And if you want to be considered one of the top superstars in this league, you're going to have to play like a top superstar injury or not. You play through it. You get it taped up. You you put on these sneakers. You put on that jersey. And you go out there and you play. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I feel like if, if you're going to go out there and you're going to play, then there, there there's no reason why, you know what I mean? Like, you, you don't hold back. Right. You, back. You, you, you decided to play, so let's play. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you go out there and you're injured, and you're not playing 100% and you can't go 100%, then, you know what I mean? I, I I feel like you're just wasting. You're just wasting everybody's time. Exactly. If you knew that you was hurt and you know that if you, you and you wanted to go anyway and you still play and you still didn't give your 110% because me personally, yes, Jimmy Butler woke up in the fourth quarter. But we've seen it through this whole series that the way he drives to the basket, his body language, the way his the way his eyes look, the way his face looks when he gets on the floor, and you the way he slows down the game when he's in the game, surprisingly. Because if you look at the way the Miami Heat got into this playoff run, they was getting out in transition. The last two series, you could not see Miami go out in transition until you saw Kyle Lowry come into the game and speed up the game, and they get those easy baskets, and, they, and Bam Adebayo can drive it to transition and stuff like that. You didn't see that when Jimmy Butler was in the game. You saw a totally different team when Kyle Lowry was in the game instead of Jimmy Butler. You saw when Jimmy Butler got the ball, he just walked the ball up. 
jog the ball up after they got a rebound. Where you got a rebound with Kyle Lowry and the rest of those boys, they got out and, and ran in transition. You don't if, if you're the Miami Heat, you did not want to get Denver back in a set defense where you just go get a rebound, get in fast break, push the ball, and make it difficult for Denver's defense to try to stop it. But I just feel like with Jimmy Butler in his finals, is no excuse for him. It is no excuse for him. Like, and they was talking about on first take how he's not the LeBron James, he's not the Kevin Durant, he's not the Devin Booker's, he's not the Luka Doncic, he's not the Kyrie Irving. I just feel like he's not the Steph Curry. I think he's a little bit under them, but if, if you want to talk about top top stars, Jimmy Butler is just not that. I think he's a secondary wingman at a point, and. And, and, and Miami Heat's roster is going to have to change. They have to get another superstar. But Jimmy Butler, I'm sorry, bro. I love the Heat culture. The Heat is my team. But sometimes you got to criticize your best player. And right now I am criticizing Jimmy Butler because he deserves this criticism. And, and, and I said it on the lot. I feel like somebody paid him off to throw these games, and that's the way I feel about it. I feel like he was paid <laughs> off to throw these games just the way he played because the way he played, he didn't look engaged with his teammates. He did not look engaged in the game at all. I'm sorry to say, Jimmy Butler did not play well in this NBA Finals, and I'm not making no ankle, no ankle sprain an excuse because a lot of players, Jokic rolled his ankle. He rolled this ankle the same goddamn the same way Jimmy Butler did. And look how he played. Look how he still played aggressive. He still played with determination. He didn't let that ankle, that let that ankle roll mess him up. Even when Jason Tatum rolled his ankle in the game seven, he still played through and tried to make shots late in that game to try to win it for them. At least, yeah, Jason, I mean, Tatum again. At least Jason Tatum looked engaged. Jimmy Butler didn't look engaged at all. I mean, I, again, I, I I do I think something's wrong, you know what I mean, and and that might be why it was hard for him to get you know fully committed because he was hurting. Whether it be you know what I mean, it could be his back, his ankle, you know what I mean, his knees, one of his tendons, like it, it could be anything. And he's not gonna say nothing because he don't want to be you know what I mean. He he don't want to be labeled a quitter. He don't want to be labeled a complainer. And and some guys like they they, they need to take a break. And some guys, you have to tell them to take a break. And, you know, at, at the same time, I mean, come on, this this, this the playoffs. This is the finals we're talking about here. So, yeah, I can, I can, see, I can see why he didn't want to sit out, you know, because, he, I mean, he, he's the main star on that team. He's, he's the one who, who had everything going. He, he essentially drugged that team to the finals. And I get it. Like, he, he wanted to try to go out with them. But, like I said, any, anybody that's watched the last two series – you you started to notice, like you know what I mean, he, against the Celtics, like he, they they were killing the Celtics the first two games. Well, really, it, it, yeah, the first two games, I, I'll give them that they won. They, they 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 did a really good job, but it was like after that you kind of noticed like Boston win, Boston win, Boston win, and it was like it he just started looked to like fade. something. Yeah, it looked like something was wrong though. It it, it was more than that. It was it seemed more than confidence. Right. It was, it, it was just. You notice something was off, and that's why it's just like, yeah, it's sad to see it. But now, I mean, here's the whole thing. You know, they, they keep, you know, a majority of the roster. They they put new pieces in line. And, I mean, the, he could be very well right back there next year, too. Yeah, depending on who they get in the offseason, it really it really – Depends on that. So RC actually question said, let me ask y'all both something. How much better than DeRozan is Jimmy Butler? I think they're similar. 
Now, I don't think they're similar because I feel like me personally, the mid-range jump shot, I think DeMar DeRozan has a better mid-range than Jimmy Butler. In that aspect, I think defensively, Jimmy Butler is better than DeMar DeRozan when it comes defensively. But I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're similar. I just think De- Demar Derozan is just in a bad situation with Chicago. No, now no, no Lonzo. It might not be able to play anymore because of his knee injuries there. And Chicago's in a rebuild mode, and I think he wants to get out and try to find a contender to be a part of because he's been a part of those Toronto Raptors years where he's been in the playoffs. And you see him show up in the playoffs with the Kyle Lowry's and stuff of that nature. But I don't, I don't think they're similar in in a way. If you look at the way Jimmy Butler plays and how DeMar DeRozan plays. Like, he's a mid-range guy, but DeMar DeRozan is very quiet. He's not a person to 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 show emotion on the on the court like Jimmy Butler was these whole playoffs until the up to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, I mean, I I don't think they're similar. What you think, though? I mean, uh, from a standpoint, they play the similar position. They both they both have a, a decent offense, but yeah, you're right. Jimmy Butler, the clear out, outliner, is the defense for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler plays much better defense, and he can play defense pretty much versus everybody except for some of the best bigs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even on a mediocre big, he can still play good defense. So that yeah, really and- separates them. And I mean, like I said, I I I think on offense, they 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 can both get buckets. They're they're both like. If they go out and they play a decent game to good game, they're getting twenty points. So offensively, I, I could see why why people would like. They're similar, not the same. Yeah, they. they I, I think they're a little similar, but uh, he, I know Demar wasn't a part of that 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 Raptors championship. I'm just saying, but they've been to the playoffs a lot with Demar Derozan, and, and he's oh, yeah. been to the he's been to the playoffs a lot with. Um, the San Antonio Spurs as well. But let's talk about a little bit about the different Nuggets, man. Let's talk a little bit about them because we talked a lot about, you know, the Miami Heat. And I said what I had to say about Jimmy Butler. If anybody in the Heat culture don't like it, I don't care. I just feel like when it comes to Jimmy Butler, I feel like his in- disengagement was just really off. And it definitely, it definitely showed from the rest of the team because when Jimmy goes, the team goes. And that's exactly how that team was set up to be built. Um, at that time, but let's get into the Denver Nuggets a little bit because the Denver Nuggets are the actual champions. We know so much adversity they've been through in the last couple of years. You know, right, with Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray, you know, being out two postseasons, being out for the last two years with the ACL injury, and you know, Jokic had to carry his team through the playoffs and getting that could not make it over the hump, and they still went out and it still drafted you know Christian Braun, that's a national champion at Kansas. Um, the year before it came in and got drafted as a rookie and now a NBA champion. You got a Bruce Brown that came <laughs> over from, you know, the Brooklyn Nets. That was a bad team with Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden and them boys. He he left that toxicity and now the NBA champion. If you look at Jeff Green, been on 12 NBA teams. The guy had COVID and open heart surgery and have and, and has not been an NBA champion. Now is an NBA champion. Um, Nikola Jokic, you know, getting drafted where he got drafted at and having a monster playoff run and a monster NBA final. You can't say much about, can't say too much about Mike. You can say much about Mike Malone too, where he went through and how many different coaches he was under before he got the head coaching job. Coach that runs in his family. So this, this story in itself is very intriguing, but I, I got to throw a little shot real quick. I got to throw a little shot. Denver fans. 
enjoy the Denver Nuggets championship because the Denver Broncos won't do a damn thing this year. I just want to throw that out there. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, the Denver Broncos, they're going to do nothing this year. So um, don't expect a, a Super Bowl from the Denver Broncos. Just just want to throw that out there real quick for the for the um, the donkeys. But Jokic, man, Jokic is, Jokic is the best player in the league. I wouldn't say all time right now, but he's the best player in the league. I, I I have to put him number one just from what he could do skill wise. I mean, uh, he he's he's the top player in the league. He's the he's the the person that nobody can't defend. And that reminds me of the Shaq when Shaq could not be defended back in those those years when they went on the three P with the Lakers. It just it's just a joking skill set. If he doesn't give you thirty, he's going to give you at least a, a double digit rebounds or double digit assists. It's, it's the way that he beats you that makes him makes him the best player in the league right now. So give me your thoughts about the Denver so, Nuggets, man. So let's be honest. Obviously, congratulations. I knew the Denver Nuggets were going to win the championship. <laughs> you team. lost your sweat bet, though. You lost your sweat bet. Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I'm 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 happy that they won. This right here literally implements the greatness of Jokic. He didn't just win MVPs. Now he has a championship, the first for Denver. Hopefully, you know, he gets at least one more. I'm, I'm hoping he gets at least one more, gets two, get, gets the two rings. You know, hopefully he, he, could, he could win three or four more. Depends how long he wants to play. But like, like you, you were doing uh, comparisons and talking about Jokic. Jokic reminds me... Of like, if you took Kareem Elijah, I mean, yeah, you took Kareem Elijah one, right? Or no, yeah, and then uh, mixed him with like Magic Johnson, but zero jumping ability. You you can say that you you can say that, and RC Cover thinks Giannis is still the best player in the league when he's healthy. I, I had to disagree there because I feel like Giannis three point shooting is definitely not better than Jokic. Jokic shoots over 40% from the, from the three point line, even in a regular season or even in the, in, even in the postseason. I just think he stretched the floor better than Giannis. Don't give me all Giannis is a great player when it comes to the post. I think nobody can defend him in the post, but Giannis can't pass the ball effectively like Jokic can. He can't shoot the ball effectively like Jokic can. But if you want to if you want to say back to the basket and pure dominance just in the post, I mean you might have you might have your argument there. But if we look at like all around center and you see the revolution and the evolution of what Jokic is doing for a all around of all around center passing, shooting and, and being in the post, Jokic is the best player in the league when it comes to that. I mean, look, when's the last time a center had multiple triple doubles? Exactly. And in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, we're not talking about regular season. We're talking about playoffs. Right. Like, it, it, it's it's such a freaking rarity. And for him to have do, do it multiple times in a playoff run, like, that just speaks to his greatness and his abilities. And that's, what I like, bro, yes, he might not be able to jump over a dollar bill, but I tell you what. You know what I'm saying? He's got every tool in the bag on offense. Every I jump over a dollar bill. I, I just thought about what you said. <laughs> like, I just thought about what you said. A dollar bill. Wait a minute. Like, 
Donald Bill's like six inches long. He can't. I don't even think he can jump six inches in the air. But he <laughs> oh don't have to. God. He what? literally have to. And 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 that's that, that's the beautiful thing about his game, even with his limitations. Even though everybody makes fun of him being slow, okay, you still can't stop him. He go. He's going in slow motion, but he's doing circles and spins and step backs and steps to the side, over, over, under. Your body faking the shit out of everybody. And it's right. it's again. And then you turn around and you put him on defense. He's not a sloppy guy on defense. He'll defend anybody. Anybody. He might not be the greatest defender defending wings and shit and, and guard, mm-hmm. but he does it. He does it and he doesn't fucking foul. That is the biggest thing. How many centers, when they jump out at somebody, they wind up fouling them, getting under their feet. Yeah, and, and he doesn't. He does so cleanly, he just steps right to the side, puts his hands up, contests. And and that's the one thing about a lot of centers. A lot of centers will just put their hand up. No, like he'll put his hand up and lean forward. You know, he'll, he'll lean at you, even if he's six feet away. Like he's at least attempting contest. True. That's, that's that's one thing that you can't say. Like he's a top center in the league, and and just his all around game. There's nobody since you know the, the previous errors that you could put up at that position against him. Right. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time I got for today. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, just just so you know, it, from from like twelve to twelve thirty five ish. That's that that's when I'll be on every day with you. I got you every day from that time period. Okay, so, no problem. When whatever day off you have is is all good, brother. It's all good. But um, um just just two quick you. questions for you. Two quick questions for you. Okay. Do the Heat need another superstar to get over the hump? I mean. Uh, I, I, I would like to say yes, yes. I feel like yes, that would absolutely help him. And you know what's funny is um, there, there's there's a kid up in Boston right now that be looking for a new home real soon. And uh, mm, is yeah. you, is you, is you talk about Jalen Brown? Oh, yes. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because you got a healthy Tyler Hero. You got Vincent. Get uh, Keep Martin. You know what I mean? Let let Love walk. Pick, pick up one. Like, like, you know what I mean? Another center especially there's a handful of young guys out there that that, that you know what i mean they could go equipped with that they could actually afford and uh, like i said i mean i feel like they only got they're only a couple key pieces away and the next question is this what was most impressive part of the nuggets run to the title run the part what was the most impressive part of their their run to the title sweeping the lakers <laughs> I knew you was gonna throw that in there. <laughs> that, that, that was. Listen to me, and 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 the, the, this ain't no personal shots at nobody for real though, because the Lakers fans did not give up. I'll tell you that they played with more heart than the Lakers did most of them games. Okay, because of what I mean, three of those games they could have easily won. Three of those games they could have easily won. Right. And that's that that that's why it was like to me it was like mm, three of those games you could have won but you didn't win. That's that's a heart wrenching. And then to get the sweep like that that was huge. That was huge because I don't care what anybody said. Like to sweep the Lakers to go to the championship to be sitting at home. You know what I mean for almost a week longer to like 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 that that vote of confidence that that had to give the Denver Nuggets. You know that. Uh, astronomical, astronomical. Because say, say, 
go to game seven, you think mentally the, the Nuggets would have been the same Nuggets that showed up? You think that the, the loss, the, the game two loss to Miami wouldn't have been a fucking crucial blow? Because it would have been. It would have been. It would have been. But they swept the Lakers and they knew it. They were like, look, it's all right. We lost one game. You know what I mean? We're just going to keep playing our basketball and we got this. And that's what they did. Thanks. <clears throat> So yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm gonna say the the sweeping the Lakers did everything, you know, put put Nuggets just in the absolute best position to go into the champion to the finals. All right. All right, well, thank guys. you, Mac, brother. I know you gotta get back to work. Hey. Thank you, brother, for coming through. Hell yeah. Talk to talk to y'all later. All right, talk to you later, brother. And that was Matt Campbell, one of my co-hosts of the Darian Hopkins show, um, he is at work right now, so that's why he's able to come on real quickly and talk about it. But I have to agree with him here when it comes to the Denver Nuggets' impressive part of their title was sweeping the Lakers and getting to the NBA Finals for the first time in a franchise history. And you got to look at that, look at that LeBron James and that Laker team coming from being the 13th seed and, and getting to the Western Conference Finals impressively. And you know you can't make no excuses for the Lakers, but Jokers they 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 fought every four games. They fought every four games, and they, they swept the Lakers to me, and I think that Jokic and Murray had a lot of due to that, even though the Lakers was the number one defense in the NBA at that time when they beat, um, when they when the Nuggets beat the Lakers. So absolutely, I have to say that that, that was the most impressive for me to see that the Lakers get swept by the Denver Nuggets, where, you know, the Denver Nuggets lost to the Lakers in a, a few playoff series, in a few conference fights, especially the one back in the bubble, and they, you know they wanted their revenge back. So for me, I have to say the Denver Nuggets sweeping the Lakers was the most impressive part of the Denver Nuggets title. We all knew that everybody was going to say Denver Nuggets was going to win the NBA Finals once they got there, but the Lakers was more impressive to me than any other series that the Nuggets played in. We knew they was going to beat the Suns. We knew they was going to beat the Timberwolves. It, I wanted to see this Lakers matchup with Denver and see how um, Denver was going to win. Cause I actually, I picked the Lakers in that Western conference finals, if I'm not mistaken, or I picked Denver. I'm not too sure who I picked. I don't remember. I got to go back and look at the tape, but I feel like the most impressive to me was the Denver nuggets going out there, sweeping LeBron James in a hot Lakers team. That's been really good through these whole playoffs. And Denver has been astounding and been great in these whole playoffs. So yeah, I have to pick them as well. I, I really do. Um, so, um, do the Heat need another superstar to get over the hump? And I'm going to have to say yes. I'm going to have to say yes because of this. I feel like when it comes to the Miami Heat, they're going to need help at the center position. They're going to need help at seeing what Caleb Martin is going to do at the free agency. Is Kyle Lowry going to retire? What What is this roster is going to look like next season? for the Miami Heat. And I think they need a superstar to get over the hump. And I don't want to throw it out there. And Sixers fans might be mad. Sixers fans might be mad about this woman. Cause I, I have to say this. I mean, it's been rumored about Joel and B possibly getting traded. I'm not going to throw it out there though, but it's been rumors. I'm not, I'm not a source. It's been rumors thrown out there. I mean, if you could go out and trade for Joel and B and put him on this Miami team, they go back to the finals. I'm being completely honest. You put Joel and B with Jimmy Butler and keep and keep this roster the way it is. And you know, probably Kevin Love might walk. You go out and get a, a backup big man to Joel Embiid. And you, you know, you you still have 
And you go, or you could go out and get a Fred Van Vliet at the point guard position, or you go out and get a Damian Lillard, or you go get a Jalen Brown. It's a lot of people that the Miami Heat can go get as a superstar to add to go over this hump. I mean, Kyrie Irving's out there, but the question is, do Kyrie Irving even want to play basketball? And I heard that Dallas wants to pay him that $275 million on five years. I don't know if Miami is going to match that. I don't think they have the money to match that. But I think the Miami Heat do need to go get some some depth at the big man position, and I think that they need to go get a superstar. But who the superstar will it be? That's the question. I mean, free free agency is in July, and we'll see where the chips will fall. Because Gay, I think Gay Vincent is probably going to get paid. I don't know if he's going to stay. I don't know what the situation with Max Strews. Like, it's a lot of questions with the Miami Heat's um team right now, and who's going to be there, who's going to stay. And we just don't know. But I think the number one thing is going out and getting a five and let Bam Adebayo get play the four and help them be a little bit more dominant in the in the um in the Eastern Conference, if you look at it. So when it comes to the Miami Heat here, you keep Jimmy Butler, of course, but you definitely need a secondary. You need a star so he can be that secondary scorer so it won't be as much pressure on him. Because I just feel like with Jimmy Butler right now, I just don't think he could do it by himself. I just don't think he can. I just don't think again. Hop, I think the Timberwolves play as well versus the Denver Nuggets without Naz Reed and Jaden McDaniels. They did, but the Denver Nuggets was just a better basketball team overall on paper and on the floor. They did play well, but they didn't play enough to win in my in my situation here. In my situation. So next question, and we're gonna get on and we're gonna get into some NFL talk because we got almost through everything with these NBA finals. I'm still gonna talk more about these NBA finals. Um, and a matter of fact, not even that. Um, but we got to talk about Floyd Mayweather in that situation. What the hell happened over the weekend? Um, Nunez, you know, winning for the UFC, and she's officially retiring from UFC. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. But is Jokic the most skilled big man of all time? This is one of the questions that I want to talk about because this is tough. Because you know, I'm a history person. I love. You know, the Wilt Chamberlain and the Bill Russells and the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, the Hakeem Olajuwans, the Shaqs, the, the, the David Robinsons, the Tim Duncans of the world. It's really tough to say that he's the most skilled big man of all time. Even the Kevin Garnett. You got to think about Kevin Garnett as well. Kevin Garnett was just a, just of a good of a big man as Jokic in his time. And I didn't like the fact that Stephen A. Smith tried to compare Shaq to Jokic. In that situation, and you really can't, you really can't compare Shaq to Jokic. You just can't. They two different type of skills. You got to compare him to a guy that can pass and shoot the ball. And I think Kevin Garnett comes to play, and I think Tim Duncan comes to play. Even though they play power four, but they play five a lot of the time with their teams. But the most skilled play big man of all time, I wouldn't say just yet. I wouldn't say just yet. I think he has to win more championships to solidify that. And, and, and keep the dominance going to, to have that. But Jokic is the best player in this league, in my opinion. But is he the best skilled person of all time? Not yet. I can't put him there just yet. But if you look at his accolades, you could put him in a resume with a lot of those guys. I mean, he's a two-time two -time, uh, NBA MVP. Now he's an NBA champion. Now he's an NBA Finals MVP, he has other accolades, the way he just broke records in this playoffs, 
You could put him in that category in, in some time. But as of right now, as of today, June 13th, 2023, I cannot put Nikola Jokic as the best or the best skilled man of all time. I just can't. He's very skilled for his age. I think he has a lot to lot more to accomplish. I think multiple championships and multiple finals MVP. And he probably get another league MVP next year, depending on how he plays, or you know, God forbid, an injury or anything of that nature. But I can't surpass the Wilt. I can't surpass him over the Wilt Chamberlain's where Wilt Chamberlain didn't have a three-point line and he still dominated the way he dominated. If you look at the Bill Russells of the world, Bill Russell didn't have a three-point line and he still dominated the way he dominated. Kareem Abdul Jabbar from half of his career when he was in Milwaukee, they didn't have a three-point line either. So if you look at the the the, the different eras of basketball, Kareem Hakeem Olajuwon. Yes, I think he was very, very skilled. I mean, the Patrick Ewins of the world, he was very skilled. So, as a, but Patrick Ewins didn't win championships. So, I could completely understand that in that sort. But when it comes to Nikola Jokic being the most skilled man of all time, I think the only thing that's hindering him from having that is winning more championships. That's the only thing. I don't think it's nothing else that you could put out there and say, that he what what else what else do he need to do? I think it's just multiple championships. If he can win two or three or probably four, it's the possible it's, it's definitely possible to actually have this argument. But right now, I don't I don't think you can have that argument right now because I think he's still they had him and Jamal Murray had seven years together. Even though they've been together for seven years and they played in this this league for seven years, I still think he still has a lot left in the tank. For him to steal, to, to, to be considered and get to that most skilled big man of all time. But today, I just cannot do it. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. So when it comes down to that, you know, I just feel like Jokic can be, he can be that. But I still think it's a lot of work it needs to be done for him to get that. It's a lot of work that needs to be done as far as the best skilled man of all time. So that's all the NBA topics that I have um, for today as far as, oh, and uh, Fred Van Vliet. Let me talk about that real quick. Fred Van Vliet and what his landing spots will be. Um, I don't know if y'all saw um, about his landing spots and how, where would Fred Van Vliet go? I know y'all saw where, because I was supposed to talk about this Monday, but I had a doctor's appointment and I just was not able to um, talk about it at this time. But, um, Fred Van Vliet, man, the landing spots for him. Now, this is very, very nervous for me because now I want to see where he lands. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. The landing spots for Fred Van Vliet is going to be very interesting to watch during free agency. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Let me see if I can find the list because I did have the list here. I did have the list here, and um, I thought I screenshotted it, and I don't think... I did, but it's so many stuff going on with the with the Nuggets. It's so many uh, articles here. Um, I'm trying to find it. I don't know what I did with it. Let me go to the other part. Um, I think it's under NBA rumors, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think it's on this page. Give me one second, y'all. Okay, there we go. Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet landing spots. Um, reportedly opting out of the Raptors contract. I wanted to talk about this real quick because I think this is a big move for Fred Van Vliet and see what he could do uh, with another NBA team. So according to Adrian Wanoski, he does state that Monday that the Toronto Raptors point guard 
Fred VanVleet is opting out to a $22.8 million player option for 2023 and 2024 and expected to move, giving he'll likely command a far more money in free agency. Now, according to Adrianowski of ESPN, he did state that Woj is adding VanVleet hasn't ruled out negotiating a new deal in the Raptors in the Raptors' return. But given all that being done in the most prominent free agent on the market, he should have plenty of options. So where will be the best landing spot for the talented point guard for me? So, of course, they're going to, the first team they're going to say is the Houston Rockers. And this is according to Bleacher Report, but I'm going to give you my points of it. Now, when it comes to the Houston Rockets, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to try to keep going with James Harden here and pair with Joel Embiid for the foreseeable future. But James Harden is a free agent, and the Houston Rockets have been continuously linked in the potential reunion. But one of those teams is going to miss out on, on Harden. It each might be varying levels of interest in Van Vliet. Now, the Houston Rockets' pursuit will be far similar, but however, Signing in Philadelphia will be complicated and given the team won't have cash space to make such of a move. It will require a signing trade with Toronto, which will cause its own complications since it will require Tobias Harris to leave the Philadelphia 76ers and be traded to the Toronto Raptors. Now, perhaps the Toronto Raptors will be taking their final year of his contract and freeing up $39.2 million in the salary next summer, but it's probably a long shot. And even for the basketball standpoint, the starting backcourt of Fran Vliet and Tyrese Maxey, while a fun offense will be good to get a cook defensively, but the Sixers can't retain Harden is a scenario that can be investigated. Now, when it comes to the Rockets, however, the cash space signed him outright to a max contract. So you can look at adding the veteran talents this offseason, but at least given rumors surrounding the team. Now, can Van Vliet go to Houston? I just don't think so. I, I, I just don't think so. And the tired, the hardest last, I just think the loss of a bit of momentum in the first half going into the second half. Um, I'm actually off that. I definitely talked about that already. Um, but the Orlando Magic for Fred Van Vliet. Um, I'm not a big fan of them going. I'm not a big fan of Fred Van Vliet going to Orlando to just keep losing. I don't think that's a great spot for Fred Van Vliet. I mean, does it help rebuild this Orlando Magic squad? Yes, but do you think Van, Fred Van Vliet wants to go into an actual rebuild mode with the Orlando Magic? Absolutely not. I just don't think he's wants to be in a situation like that, even though they do have Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, Wendell Carter, in the future long of developing, you know, than the Rockets are. But, you know, it, you know they got Jalen Slugs, um, if you look at, uh, you know, Palio Pachero, uh, the young player like Jalen Suggs, Fran Wagner, um, Simon Family is a win-now move for the roster and perhaps to take the next step for being a title contender. I just don't I just don't see that. I don't think it could be a title contender. I just don't think so. So Orlando is out for me. Then you have the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, the Lakers be one of the teams that could pursue a Kyrie Irving, a Chris Paul, and now in a Fred Van Vliet to me. And it will be a heck of a constellation prize if they don't go get Kyrie Irving or Chris Paul. And, you know, he's played off the ball before in Toronto, if you look at Fred Van Vliet. And Kyle Lowry has a, is an excellent shooter, and he fits with LeBron James solidly for me. And he offers a defense that D'Angelo Russell does not give at that position. 
So, and you know, he already won a title. But it might be tough for the Lakers to go out and get Fred Van Vliet, though, because of their cast base. It's big money that's also retaining, trying to keep uh, Hachimura, trying to keep Austin Reeves on this, and, and try to get him on this squad. So I don't, I, I can see the Lakers trying to go after them, but what they're going to do with D'Angelo Russell asking for a hundred million, Austin Reeves has earned a big contract the way he plays in the playoffs. Hachimura probably earned a big contract the way he played coming off the bench. So you just don't know what you're getting there. And in the Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Suns could be a cutting or trading Chris Paul. I think the Suns might be a great fit with him and Devin Booker, even though that Fred Vliet can play off the ball. I think he brings some spice to there, adding Fred Van Vliet with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. They still have to work on what they're going to do with DeAndre Ayton at that point, though. But Fred Van Vliet, you know, they could require him, you know, one in Ayton in a, you know, $32.5 million salary, of course. But it's obviously to see that Fred Van Vliet would need or want to go to the Suns. But Fred Vliet is a younger and doable than Carr. I mean, I'm then Carr. I'm talking about Derek. What the hell I'm talking about? But um, he's more doable than Chris Paul right now. And DeAndre Ayton days are absolutely done in Phoenix. You could definitely try to do a signing trade with that and have Chris Paul go to Toronto with DeAndre Ayton and get it for Fran Van Vliet. It's some way that you could work that out. I think this is probably the best move for the Phoenix Suns and go out and get a Fred Van Vliet in this situation here. Absolutely. So they have the Rockets. They have the Suns, they have the Lakers, they have the Orlando Magic, and possibly the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, his former coach, Nick Nurse, that he won a championship with is there. You could put him, put Tyrese Maxey at the two and put Fred Van Vliet at the one. And not too much pressure on Tyrese Maxey to be the starting point guard there. And knowing that James Harden is probably probably end up in Houston, I would trade. I would, I would rather have Fred Van Vliet than James Harden at this moment. That's just me. That That's just me. I'd rather have Fred, Fred Van Vliet over James Harden at this point because I think he's younger. He's more doable. He's, he, he can get up and down the floor. He's more experienced. And I think he might go with his old coach and Nick Nurse. You just never know there. You just you just never know there. So when it comes down to it, um, I do like Fred Van Vliet with those squads here. But let's get on to some next topics, ladies and gentlemen. Let's finally switch over to the NFL. Let's finally switch over to the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, let's talk about a little bit of the NFL. Let's talk about some duos. It's going to be fun to talk about some duos here in some news in the NFL. It's a lot of news that came out um, over the weekend about some players are holding out on mini camps. We're going to see, though. We, we are going to see. But the first thing I want to talk about, and I'm going to give you my quick picks on this, the nine best new veteran QB wide receiver combos of 2023. So the nine best new veterans QB wide receiver combos in 2023. Now, the first combo that comes to, comes to fruition for me According to NFL.com, I want to throw it out there. According to NFL.com, Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson. Now, we all know that Rodgers, you know, joined the Jets in a trade, and you know he brings a lot of caliber here. But there are more familiar faces to Rodgers that's on this Jets roster, and that's Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. But one of the close of Wilson's overall talent 
the reigning offensive rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson, which the guy, you know, led the led rookies in yards per catch last year, which is the yak, if y'all know what that means. Um, but I think this is probably the number one um veteran QB wide receiver combo in 2023 for me. I think Garrett Wilson is going to have himself a leap year having a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers there. I think Aaron Rodgers still has a lot left in the tank, but it's still going to be it's still going to be a lot of learning curves with the Jets. I'm not expecting the Jets to do and go straight to the Super Bowl this year. I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing that at all. But I do like Garrett Wilson, you know, 22 missed tackles as a wide receiver. You had defensive players missing tackles on a wide receiver. That's good. That's good, but I think one of them is uh, Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson could be a great tandem here. Well, a great tandem here in that. Um, the next one, number two, Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr. I knew this was on the list. I already knew this was on the list, ladies and gentlemen. Lamar Jackson is going to make Odell Beckham Jr. even better than he is. It's um, over there, but. Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr. Now, we all know that Jackson finally signed his contract. We know that for a fact. Jackson signed his contract, and now he has some toys to play with. Pause, if I want to say it in that way. He has some toys to play with. But, you know, you got Rashad Bateman. You got Zay Flowers. You got Nelson Aguilar. And you add Odell Beckham Jr. But I think the connection between them two is going to be bigger than everybody else outside of Mark Andrews as, as their tight end. But when it comes to OB, OBJ's health, that's the only thing I'm concerned about with this tandem. Can he stay on the field? That's my biggest question about Odell Beckham Jr. with the Baltimore Ravens. Can he stay on the field? Because even though that he when he did sign with the Rams, he was healthy until he got hurt and tore that same ACL in the Super Bowl, in which he got a Super Bowl ring out of the Los Angeles Rams. But hey, he did what needed to be done. He was playing well. He could have been. He could have been the MVP of that Super Bowl if he didn't get hurt. That's just my opinion. But I feel like this tandem is going to be good when they're healthy. Jamar Jamar Jackson is one hundred percent healthy by the time that you see Odell Beckham Jr. is at one hundred percent. If they both can stay one hundred percent through eighteen games, he's going to be one of the best tandems in the league. And Lamar Jackson definitely going to have himself a absolute weapon, absolute weapon. But you, but we, we let's see if they can actually carry that magic. Number three, this is an interesting one. Very underrated. Very underrated. Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this is going to be a great underrated, a great underrated duo in the league. Calvin Ridley is coming off of a year off of being a part of um, the gambling scandal. And he took a whole, he had a suspended for a whole year. He got it appealed. And now he's back in the NFL. And you got to look at this Jacksonville Jaguars team overall with Trevor Lawrence. And now, no, no James Robinson either, but they do got Christian Kirk. They still have Evan Ingram. They have some young, they have um, Zay Jones over there as well. So they have some young receivers over there. But I think Calvin really gets them to the, get them a little bit over that hump a little bit more, in my opinion. And Trevor Lawrence had a great year last year. I think he's going to bounce back and, and have a better year this year with more weapons that he got. They beefed up the offensive line. This defense was really, really good. They wasn't they were they were the middle of the pack, but it was better than a lot of teams this year. But I do like this tandem. I think it's a very underrated tandem or an underrated combo that you have to look out for. And that's Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. Number four. Oh, my God. I'm about to get some heat about this one here. Number four, 
Number four, Derek Carr and Chris Olave. I can't, I can't do a segment without talking about Derek Carr. I can't do a segment. I can't do a segment without talking about Derek Carr. Now, according to NFL.com, it says Michael Thomas' status might be bigger narrative heading into the 2023 season with questions about whether the record-setting wideout can finally stay healthy. But there's no question in my mind that Chris Olave can be the star in the New Orleans Saints offense. As a rookie, the Ohio State product had 1,042 yards and four touchdowns in the middle of a passing offense in the Jets' QB turnstile, posted more passing yards than the Saints last season. Now, Chris Olave is a prime candidate to make a leap year in year two. Now, he owns the route running to beat even the best corners with speed and pressure in deep down in deep and reliable hands as a top shelf wideout, and he has a complete package. Now, you're talking about Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr, the former Las Vegas Raiders quarterback, now he has receivers, you know, and it's a clear upgrade to Andy Dalton. It's a clear upgrade. In the four to five past seasons when it comes to Derek Carr, Carr has passed over 4,000-plus passing yards. His two in his two-game bitching close to 2022 was likely the season he didn't make it for five for five. But the 32-year-old has proven that he could run an offense and put up numbers at the right situation. But Carr's tendencies to look at for deep shot plays for the Saints and well-targeted Chris Olave led all players with 14.2 air yards per target last season. And pairing should be a, a good field-stretching connection in 2023. You toss in a second-year speedster in Rashad Shahid and Thomas. Again, if healthy, the New Orleans offense can be cooking with gas. So... I, I I don't I don't listen. I'm gonna be like this. People people can say what they want about Derek Carr. The guy played he played well for the Raiders of what he had. He played well for the Raiders for what he had. But I feel like right now, Derek Carr has an upgrade at the wide receiver position. He has an upgrade at the offense position than he had with the Las Vegas Raiders in the total nine years. Not just from last year. We're not talking about last year. We're not talking about we talking about before Devontae Adams. Before Hunter Renfro, before Henry Ruggs, before Darren Waller. If you look at the six of the nine years that he had, he didn't have these type of weapons that he had. So Chris Olave is one of the top young receivers in this league that gave you over a thousand yards with different quarterbacks at the hem where Jameis Winston played a little bit last year. And then you had um then you had uh Taysom Hill play differently last year at the quarterback position. And you had Andy Dalton, which is an upgrade, which is not an upgrade, uh, an upgrade at all. He's well, he wasn't an upgrade to Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is going to be one of those playmakers that going to be at the tight end position, the fullback position. You can put Taysom Hill anywhere. But Derek Carr and Chris Olave, I think they're going to build a connection. And I can see this being a good combo at number four. I could definitely see that. But people can say what they want about Derek Carr. The Raiders can say what they want about Derek Carr. I support Derek Carr and, and what that guy could do. And I think he's going to have a great year with the New Orleans Saints. Say what you want. I'm a Raiders fan for life, and I, and I, and I wish him the best. But I'm sorry to say, but watch, he's going to have a great year. I, and, and he might have a great year, and, and people won't have to salute that. If he has a better year than he had ever with the Las Vegas Raiders, then who, who, who are we saying is, is the problem? But 
you know. But if you look at it, he never had to upgrade since Adams. It's a fact. He only played one year with Devontae Adams. If you look at the eight years, the eight years before Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, cool, but we traded him. You know, Darius Haywood Bay, he was trash. Hunter Renfro is not a number one receiver. Henry Ruggs going to jail. I mean, what you supposed to expect from Derek Carr from the, from the receivers that he had? So I think he has a better receiving core right now than he had in the last eight to nine, the last eight years that he was there. I mean, but number five, Justin Fields and DJ Moore. That is, that, 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 this is an interesting one. This is an interesting one. Justin Fields and DJ Moore. I, I like this wide house. I like this here. With 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 him getting traded from the Carolina Panthers, going to go in there now, you have a Chicago Bears team that looks pretty good on paper. It looks pretty good on paper, like you know Justin Fields, Chase Claypool, you got Cole Komet, you got DJ Moore. I really think the Bears is going to be they're going to take a, a leap of being better this year than they was last year. They beat the offensive line, they went out and got players in free agency, and they went out in the draft and got. Of uh, the 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 uh the uh defensive they got a, not I'm not a defensive offensive tackle I'm sorry offensive tackle, but the Bears I, I like what they did man they 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 traded out of the number one overall pick and gave it to Carolina and they traded DJ Moore it gave them another gave Justin Fields another weapon. Now you just have to protect them, but I like this duo here at number five, number six. Our Las Vegas Raiders is on the list, ladies and gentlemen. A former Las Vegas Raider quarterback is on the list, and now a new quarterback is on the list. Jimmy Garoppolo and Demonte Adams at number six. Now, according to you know NFL.com, they're saying Garoppolo health issues shrouds the dual potential in this moment. But on paper, on, on paper, however, I think these two can mesh well. Now, Garoppolo thrives over the middle and gets the ball out quickly. He could use Adams' otherworldly ability to win. Off the line and off the line of scrimmage to generate a chunk of yardage. That's one thing Devontae Adams could do. We all know that when it comes to that. Now, playing Josh McDaniel's system should be a fit for the quarterback like a glove. And his ability to complete passes under pressure will be the key behind the question, questionable offensive line that the Raiders have, which I still think our offensive line is questionable. But I'm a I'm a I'm a keep it there though. But you know, when it comes to according to the next gen stats, when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G's 118.3 passer rating with under pressure in 2022 was the highest mark for a single season in next gen stats era, which started in 2016. Now, I'm going to have to say this. The potential is there for Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams to be a great duo in this NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo got to stay healthy. That's it. If Jimmy Garoppolo can stay healthy, I would love for him to have a great duo with Devontae Adams. He's got to stay upright and got to stay on the field. That's all my concerns about this duo. That's it. But I think they could be a great duo. Absolutely. Number seven, Dak Prescott and Brandon Cooks, not a big fan of. This is not top 10. This is top nine. Top nine, not top 10. Um. Dak Prescott, Brandon Cooks, not a big fan of. I don't know why NFL has this on here. To me, it should be Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb, not Dak Prescott and Brandon Cooks. But I get it. I get it. But I feel like, to me, this is not mine. This is according to NFL.com. This is not mine. 
This is not mine. This is according to NFL.com. But I don't think that I don't think that's a better pair with Derek Carr and Ad. I think I think Derek Carr and Adam was the better pair for me. I just concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, the best ability is availability. Um, Dak Prescott and Brandon Cooks, I'm not a fan of. Number eight, Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans, not a fan of either. Not a fan of, I'm not a big fan of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is not that great of a player. I don't see him being a great player um, anymore in this league. I think Mike Evans needs to leave Tampa Bay. It's time for him to move on to a contender to actually have a quarterback that can throw him the ball. Not a big fan of Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. I'm not a big fan of that. And the last one here is number nine, and that's Mac Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Mac Jones will have to bounce back this year. Matt Jones is going to have to bounce back this year. That's just no if ands, or buts about it. Matt Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster. Can Juju Smith-Schuster get back to the Pittsburgh Juju Smith-Schuster? Because we saw him play really well in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles um, in the Super Bowl. And I think Juju Smith-Schuster, if he could get Matt Jones to have him as a number one receiver, I definitely think that could happen. I definitely think that could happen. I, I really think so. But do I feel like Matt Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster at number nine. Yeah, this this it's the right spot, but I'm just not a big fan of it at this point. I'm, not a, I'm just not a big fan of it at this point when it comes to Matt Jones and, and Juju Smith-Schuster or Dak Prescott and Brandon Cooks. I'm not a big fan of that, and I'm not a big fan of Baker Mayfield and, and Mike Evans. Mike Evans need to leave Tampa Bay, man. I, I, I just don't. I, nah. I just don't see that happening. But that is your nine new veteran QB wide receiver combos of 2023. You got Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson. You have Lamar Jackson and OBJ. You have Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. You have Derek Carr and Chris Olave. You have Justin Fields and DJ Moore. You have Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams. And you have Deck Prescott and Brandon Cooks. You have um, Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans. And you have Mac Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster. So let's talk about a few things here that happened over the weekend since we all about our topics. Floyd Mayweather. I want to get into this because I didn't even know it was a boxing match going on this weekend. I had no clue. I had no clue about it. And Floyd Mayweather sat here and had an exhibition match. With John Gotti, I think it was like John Gotti the third, and place just broke out. It, it just broke out. It just, it just. I guess John Gotti didn't like how Mayweather was doing the fight. I didn't even know Mayweather was still fighting. That's the thing that's really confusing me. I'm not knowing I'm not even a boxing fan. I'm not even a boxing fan in hearing about this, and it was a complete brawl out there. A complete brawl. And it was, I just, it was unprofessional. It was, it was ridiculous. It was dumb. It was dumb. I, 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 I hated it. I hate that Mayweather is trying to get, make himself relevant. Understand you want to make money. But it was a disappointment to see Mayweather in a situation like that, knowing that people call him the greatest boxer to ever do it. If you're the greatest boxer to ever do it. Why are you taking on exposition matches against people that that's 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 not even relevant? No, I don't got the video. I saw the video, 
but I don't want to play the video because of copyrights. That's why I don't play videos up here because I, I don't because of the copyrights. Um, copyrights can be the the reason why YouTube, you know, can give me a copyright strike, and I I'll, I I just don't want that. That's why I don't put it up there. But it was one of the worst. You could go on Pat McAfee's Instagram and see it. Hey, you go on it all. It was all over Twitter over the weekend. It was all over Twitter, and it was a disappointment to the to the sport that boxers that actually box for a living. Like Mayweather, I thought you retired. That's where I, that's where I got from it. I thought that you retired, and you didn't. So, with that being said, I, I I'm very disappointed in Mayweather, and I'm very disappointed that it was on the Zeus Network, which the Zeus Network is one of the terrible networks that I ever seen. Zeus Network is just there to make money and have these fake bad girls clubs and and, and baddies west and and all this other dumb crap on Zeus Network. It's dumb. It's stupid. And to have a boxing match on Zeus Network, I understand Floyd Mayweather. You want to Floyd Money Mayweather? You want to make your money? You want to make your money? I get it. Well, you're gonna put your career on the line for nobody, for absolute nobody? Nah, I think that's absolutely wrong. For a all-time great to put your legacy on the line against a nobody, absolutely wrong. Okay, absolutely wrong. So, Floyd Mayweather, you got to do better, bro. You got to do better. Stay away. Make your promotions. Make your money another way. And stay out the boxing ring. Just stay out. Because it was it looked very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. Because even though uh, Jocelyn Hernandez was fighting backstage against another lady, another girl. I think her name was Ben Lex or something of that nature. Talked about her. Talked about that fight. That fight was better backstage than the Mayweather fight. Of the exposition against John Gotti the third. That fight was better than the Mayweather fight. And I'm surprised that we even had him fighting as well. I did I listen, I, I had no had no choice of it. I, I just don't know why the match even happened. But let's go on to the final topic of today's show. And that's you know, the UFC fighting. And I'm not really a big fan of USC or or MMA. But Amanda Nunez, Amanda Nunez is one of the best fighters to ever been and ever, ever did it. And people talked about Ronda Rousey. People talked about how dominant Ronda Rousey was. But Amanda Nunez won her fight last over the weekend. And she sat in the post-fight news conference for one last time with for two belts on either side. And told her Saturday night in Vancouver that she's retiring. Now, it's rare that an all-time great MMA fighter to retire at the top of their game. You know, George St. Pierre did it. You know what I'm saying? You see Henry uh, Kajujo do it. You've seen a lot of different people do it. But Nunez joins a group at USC in 289 after dominating Irene Aladina. Aladena, if you, if I said that wrong, after five rounds, and the greatest MMA fighter of all time announced that she was done. Um, she got both of her titles. She laid them on the octagon, um, and put the gloves on there with them. Now, with Nunes being gone, those UFC women's, you know, is it's going to be a very interesting category here. But Amanda Nunes is is very very good. But 
And she she beat 11 women who had the championship in the sport at one point. And she set the just about every UFC women's record out there for Amanda Nunes. You got to be honest here. She knocked out fellow people like Ronda Rousey, um, Chris Kybor, Valentino uh, Shahenko. I'm saying if I said that correctly, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm butchering the names. Holy Home, and Misha Tate. Um, I think it was time for Amanda Nunes to to look at other adventures, to look at other endeavors instead of her being in the octagon. I don't really watch MMA that much, but when I do see highlights of the matches on YouTube, Amanda Nunes was a fighter, man. She was a fighter, and she beat one of the most popular, popular girls in UFC and Ronda Rousey. And when she did that, her 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 shit skyrocketed. It skyrocketed. So Amanda Nunes coming in and being dominant the way she was, you know, I just want to congratulate her on her retirement. I really do because I feel like, in my personal opinion, that we don't give a lot of women credit for being in the octagon. We don't give a lot of women credit for WNBA or anything other sports that they do. You got to give them credit now, though. You got to give them credit now. But I'm going to have to say this. You know, Amanda Nunez is is, is a fighter that probably could get in, a, get in the ring with a guy. Who knows? But for me, I think Amanda Nunez, she's going out on top for a reason. She thinks she did everything that she needed to be done in the octagon, and she deserved it. She deserved it 100%. 100%. So what now for her? And to me, she is the greatest MMA fighter of all time. No, hands down, hands down, the greatest MMA fighter of all time. My personal opinion, and just from watching her from through highlights and stuff like because I don't buy pay per views, that's one thing I don't do. I don't buy pay per views, but Amanda Nunez definitely did her job, she definitely did her job. But congratulations to her. We wish her on the best endeavors. Hopefully, we can see her on the side of the octagon doing commentary and stuff of that nature. Um. But congratulations to her, man. Congratulations to her. So imagine Roman Reigns retiring soon. I don't see that happening. I think he's giving up the title real quick. We will talk more about Money in the Bank in the in the upcoming weeks uh, for the next pay-per-view for the WWE and AEW's um, AEW pay-per-views that's coming up as well, like Forbidden Door and stuff of that nature. We'll talk more about that in the later times, but... There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. The Darian Hopkins Show is officially done with this episode, which is today, Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to a great show. Make sure you follow me on social media and subscribe to the YouTube channel at the Darian Hopkins Show on Twitter, at the Darian Hopkins Show on Facebook, and at the Darian Hopkins Show on Instagram. And make sure you check out our audio podcast as well. Our audio podcast is all over the platforms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you go check out Bet Us. Get 125% of your sports book upon your initial deposit. The link is definitely in the description to get that special offer. And just to let you know, if you want to go to a live event, a sporting event, or a live concert, make sure you go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code DHopkins and get $20 off your first purchase. So go to SeatGeek.com, use the promo code 
D Hopkins and get $20 off your first purchase. So that is it for me today, ladies and gentlemen. That is it for me today. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Darian Hopkins Show. We will be back same time, same place right here tomorrow for the Darian Hopkins Show. I'm not sure if I'm going live tonight for any live play-by-play and reactions. I will let y'all know on the community post or on social media. So make sure y'all follow me on those social media platforms. Thank y'all so much for tuning in, man. Thank y'all so much. And make sure y'all comment, like, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's the Darian Hopkins Show. See y'all tomorrow, same time, same place. Peace.